Hey, what's going on, everybody? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to episode 17 of This Week in Sports. Week one of the NFL is officially in the books. We're talking all of it. I am going to cover the unbelievable Aaron Rodgers comeback, 17-point fourth quarter comeback on one leg. I'm going to talk about the highly anticipated start for Sam Darnold, youngest rookie quarterback to start a week one game since the 1970 merger. It was a disastrous start, but boy, oh boy, did my New York Jets come out. They came on fire, walloping the Detroit Lions 48-17. to Head coaches, new head coaches in the NFL this week. New teams with new uh, teams with new coaches went o. Oh, these new coaches went o oh and seven in week one. So a lot of work to be done there by these new head coaches in football. Okay, we also had a game last night to kick off week two, the Thursday night game between the Bengals and the Ravens, AFC North rivals. I'll talk about Jalen Ramsey and what he has to say ahead of his matchup against. Rob Gronkowski, Tom Brady, and the New England Patriots. All that, guys. Everything from week one, everything from week two. My picks. Catch it here. Episode 17 of This Week in Sports. Don't forget to leave a comment on iTunes and five-star rating. Hope you enjoy. Let's go. You're listening to This Week in Sports. Hey, what's going on, everybody? You're listening to This Week in Sports. It is Friday, September 14th, 2018. I'm your host, Anthony. We're going to get things started here in a second. It's all NFL. Week one is in the books. We had the start of week two, Thursday night football last night. I will get into that and more. I am on just a few hours of sleep, so please do bear with me because uh, I'm hurting. I had to wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning to, of course, pre-order my iPhone XS Max, the gold edition. Normally, I go with Space Gray, but I had to cop that gold edition this time. And then I also pre-ordered the Apple Watch Series 4, which has an ECG reader on it, if I'm saying that correctly. Echocardiogram, I believe. Pretty cool uh, FDA-approved technology there. I'm currently, I still have the original Apple Watch, and it's really starting to slow down on me. I don't get much battery life out of it, so I figured I'd I'd drop the 400 bucks on a new one. So got those pre-orders in at 3 a.m., didn't get much sleep. But yet again, here I am, back at it. The grind is real. I got to bring you the sports update, of course, and there is a lot to talk about, okay? And being a Jets fan, okay, gang green, okay, New Jack City, I cannot be happier with that game on Monday Night Football, and I am going to start off with that Monday Night Football game. There were two games on Monday night. Of course, I stayed up and watched both games, the Oakland and... LA game, the Rams and Raiders, that is, finished up at about 1.30 in the morning. I had some guys in fantasy going, and I hit the highest score in my fantasy league, so I got a little payout there. That's why I stayed up and watched it, and it was uh, some entertaining games, to say the least. But again, we start with that Jets game, and if you weren't watching, it didn't take much time. 
we're talking the first play of the game, the first play from scrimmage after the kickoff. Utter disaster for the New York Jets and Sam Darnold. Take a listen. And on his first play, they're going to let him roll out and look downfield to throw back across the field, and it's intercepted. And it's going to be a pick six for Quandre Diggs. Yeah, Quandre Diggs with a pick six on the very first play of the game. The very first play of the game. It was utter disaster. They ran just the most asinine play. Darnold rolled out to the right, and it's a cardinal sin for a quarterback to throw across the field to the opposite side of the field, okay? And that's that's what Darnold did on his very first pass attempt. You could tell that Quandre Diggs, veteran, veteran DB, He was baiting Darnold so badly. He wanted him to make this throw because when you see it from the quarterback's perspective, it does look like the the receiver is coming open and he's going to be wide open for a huge gain down the sideline. And yes, if he hits him, it is. It could could go possibly uh, to the house for, for six. But instead, Quandre Diggs baits him as soon as he throws it, steps in front, picks it off, and takes it to the house. It was an utter disaster. Like, it could not have been a more disastrous, blasphemous start for the New York Jets. And that's when you're thinking, oh my God, here we go. That was, I believe, the last time that the Jets didn't look back from there. I I texted my friends in a group chat and I said, okay, if there's any solace in this, it's the fact that Darnold got the interception out of the way. He got the bad play out of the way. It's over with. There's still 14 minutes left to go in the in the first quarter. There, there's so much time left in this game, and he got it out. He got any kinks. They're on the road. You know, he got any nerves, got him out. That's it. Okay? And that's what I was hoping for, that he would settle down. The play calling would get a little bit better because, yes, that play was on Darnold. He shouldn't have thrown it, but the play call itself called for that. So shame on the coaching staff for calling that play. So not not only does does that happen, okay, and and, and Darnold, he, he joins Brett Favre and Jameis Winston as the last two quarterbacks to throw pick sixes on their first pass attempt. Pretty good company anytime you join a guy like Brett Favre. So hey, there's that for Jets fans. But Darnold was able to settle in, okay, and he finishes the game. Let's pull up his final stat line. 16 of 21, 198 yards, two touchdowns, that one interception. He was sacked twice, had a QB rating of 116.8. Phenomenal. And his completion percentage, 76.2. The Jets didn't look back after that interception. They put the absolute smack down on the Detroit Lions, okay? This game was being played at Ford Field. You couldn't tell that the Jets were the underdogs on the road here. They wallop the Detroit Lions by a final score of 48-17. to Matthew Stafford was awful in this game, picked off four times. The Jets also got their first pick six in five years, which was an abs- absolute, like, ridiculous stat. It was... 
the longest streak in history, I believe, at 73 games in five years without a pick six. Comes at the hands of Darren Lee, who had a couple of interceptions in that game. I mean, yeah, I don't know what more to say. The Jets had a 10-point lead going into halftime. The, uh, no, sorry, did it? Yeah. Uh, They had a 7-point lead going into halftime, I believe. And the Lions were starting with the ball. Yes, it was 17-10 to at the half. Lions come out to start the half. And they started to build some momentum because the Jets had a 10-point lead. The Lions got a field goal at the end of the half to cut it to seven. They come out, start the second half. Lions have the ball. Stafford marches right down the field and makes it look easy. Scores a touchdown. Knots things up at 17 all. And that's when, as a Jets fan, you start to look at things and you start to go, oh boy, here we go. It's starting to happen again. This this. Is this going to be? Is this going to be another typical New York Jets team where they start off strong in the first half, and then they come out flat in the second half, and they end up losing the game? But no, that was not the case. Okay, that was definitely not the case, and it was all like I said, it was all uphill for the Jets from there, and all downhill for the Lions from that point on. The Jets dominated this game I mean they were doing it in every facet of the game they were doing it on special teams defense offense everything was clicking it was phenomenal you couldn't have asked for a better start to a season and they spoil Matt Patricia's uh head coaching debut for the Detroit Lions okay so John Gruden lost on Monday Night Football as well so that made new NFL coaches okay not I wouldn't call them rookie coaches because obviously Gruden was coached in the NFL before, but all new coaches, okay, 0-7 to start week one, okay? So every new coach was 0-7 this week. All those teams that that hired new coaches lost in week one, 0-7. But getting back to this Jets game, it it was phenomenal. I'm just going to play some of the sound bites from this game. So if you're a Jets fan, enjoy it. If you're not, oh well. I'm going to play a lot of sound sound bites uh, from throughout the, the week, but here's some from the uh, Jets game. Take a listen. Isaiah Crowell finds a seam, lunging for the goal line and in. Touchdown, New York. Sam Darnold with time, looking deep downfield into the end zone. Touchdown, Jets, Robbie Anderson. And the first TD throw of Sam Darnold's career goes 41 yards. Out of the gun. Darnold, the quick release, and the catch is made by Anunua inside the five, spinning towards the goal line. Touchdown, Jets. He found himself, and now he's found a quarterback, and another interception for the Jets defense. Darren Lee, it's a pick six for New York, 35 yards. He's going to give it a go. Breaking a tackle out across the 40, trying to get by the punter, Martin. Dancing down the sidelines, staying in bounds. Touchdown, New York. 
So yeah, there you have it. The Jets put on a show on Monday night in front of the nation, scoring 48 points against a Detroit Lions team that was pretty good last year, went nine and seven. And listen, I'm not gonna, I'm not one of those Jets fans that's saying that we're gonna go to the Super Bowl, but this is as happy as I can remember being in the longest time. I don't remember a season opener or a season this highly anticipated before. So moving on to the later game, you had the Rams against the Raiders, and the Raiders started off well. They got out to an early lead, but then they were absolutely shut down in the second half. They didn't score at all in the second half, and the LA Rams go on to win 33-13. to So the Raiders, I mean, yeah, they didn't look great. Derek Carr especially did not look good. He made a couple of suspect throws. He had a couple of interceptions in this game. I mean, there was one play on a third down where he was in the pocket and he just gave up and threw the ball out of bounds. Then there was another play, similar situation. It looked like he's just throwing it away again and he throws it right to the defender. And this was when at a point where they were moving the ball very well and they were down two scores, I think 10 at the time or somewhere around 10 points, and they needed to make something happen quickly. And he throws an ill-advised interception. He finished with three interceptions, no touchdowns. Did get over 300 yards, but still not very good. The lone bright spot for the Oakland Raiders has got to be Jared Cook Jr. My, 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 oh my. Jared Cook, have yourself a, a day. Let me tell you, Jared Cook... The tight end for the Raiders went 12 targets, nine receptions, 180 yards. Again, he didn't get into the end zone because Derek Carr didn't have any touchdown passes, but 180 yards, and he was a force to be to be reckoned with. The yak was ridiculous. Okay, he was averaging 20 yards per per reception, and he was dragging a few times. He dragged like three defenders with him, and he was just continuing to move his his body downfield while people are while he's dragging defenders it was quite impressive hit probably Jared not probably it definitely was Jared Cook's best game as an Oakland Raider and probably his best game yardage wise in, in his entire career so that was pretty much your your Raiders and Rams game nothing too too flashy too crazy there the best game uh, of the week obviously as a Jets fan I think it was that game but No, it has to 100% be the Chicago Bears and Green Bay Packers. Let me tell you something. I wanted Khalil Mack very badly as a New York Jets fan. I wanted them to go and get Khalil Mack because we needed a a really good edge rusher. They asked for two first-round picks. Bears come out of nowhere and swoop him up. Two first-round picks might not have been enough. Khalil Mack was unbelievable. He was ridiculous. I mean, this guy is showing why he was 2015 Defensive Player of the Year at two positions, okay? He had a forced fumble. He had a pick six. I mean, he was all over the field. It was redonkulous. Aaron Rodgers gets hurt in this game, and it looked really, really bad. We all know Rodgers just signed on that new contract to become the highest paid player in NFL history, over $134 million, okay? He gets he he gets sacked, and the way he falls, he has his weight fall really awkwardly on his legs, and 
he, he needed help getting to the sideline. Eventually, he gets carted back to the locker room, okay, on like that golf cart type thing. He was sitting down, not stretchered out or anything. He was sitting down, but he was shaking his head. Didn't look good. Halftime comes around. They're losing, okay? They're losing by a good margin. This, I mean, it was it was quite shocking. They were down 17 to nothing, okay? Finally, Rodgers comes back from halftime, and they say there was there was no, like, real damage that they could see. The doctors, everybody says they don't believe that he could further damage it by playing. Rodgers comes out and does what Rodgers does best, okay? Third quarter, they're down seven. Uh, they, they score, they... They tie with the Bears in the third quarter, 3-3. They each get a field goal. It's Green Bay's first points. Headed to the fourth quarter, down 17 points. And you could tell Rodgers is starting to get it going, all right? He's starting to feel it a little bit. And it's crazy because he's not putting any weight on this left leg, and he's slinging the ball. He's got all arms. He's got one of the quickest releases, just firing the ball in there to all different receivers. And... They are making the push, okay? Khalil Mack's impact is starting to... I don't know if he, he's getting tired because he held out and he's not so much in game shape or the defensive schemes that they were running. They were maybe not blitzing as much and, and, and playing back a little bit into dropping into coverage. But Aaron Rodgers, you could see the highlights. I mean, the, 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 he's throwing off a one leg. He can't even put weight on his left leg. There's one play where he has to roll out and try to scramble and just throw it away. And he's like hobbling on his left leg. He's like a wounded duck out there, but they head into the fourth quarter down 17. Okay. Take a listen to what happens next. Rodgers. Surveying, fires, that's caught, Randall Cobb into Chicago territory. Randall Cobb inside the 20-yard line. Randall Cobb is going to score. 75 yards, that is crazy. Crazy indeed it was. That was the... That turned out to be the game-winning touchdown pass to Randall Cobb. And if you saw that... Rodgers, best quarterback in the NFL, slings it in between a frozen rope, ladies and gentlemen, right in between three defenders over the middle of the field on a third and 10, and Randall Cobb takes it 75 yards to the house. Packers win 24-23. They, if you're doing the math at home, down 17 to start the fourth quarter, largest comeback in franchise history. Ridiculous. Donculous. Absolutely incredible. What best game of the week, hands down. I mean, it was just ridiculous. Everybody, when Rodgers went down in that second quarter, everybody what I mean, you could hear a pin drop. Okay. It was it, it was just the Packers fans must have been going, you've got to be kidding me. Face palming. I mean, I was I was flabbergasted because we all know that that franchise is Aaron Rodgers or bust. Okay, if you put another quarterback in there, it forget about it. There's no hopes of winning anything. So now, I mean, yes, give credit to the Packers. Unbelievable job coming back from 17. You can't take anything away from them. 
but oh my god, this might have just set the Bears franchise back 10 years. Coming in with a second-year quarterback in Mitchell Trubisky, who we still really don't know too much about. I was very impressed, by the way. I still don't... I didn't... Coming into this, I didn't buy him as being that guy. But watching this, I gotta hand it to him. He looked really good. He used his feet a little too much, maybe, but he scrambled around nicely. He was hard to, to, to sack and get and get down, but he did a nice job. I'm not going to blame him. I'm going to blame the play calling and the defense. I think the defense got very tired in that fourth quarter, but there is no excuse. Anytime a team overcomes a 17-point deficit or a double-digit deficit in the fourth quarter like that, you cannot, you got to give them credit, but at the same time, it's a colossal collapse from the defense, and, and they're the ones to blame for this. They lost this game more than Aaron Rodgers won it, in my opinion. A hobbled Aaron Rodgers throwing off of one leg. There's no reason that they should have let him come back and win that game. So it's, uh, I mean, Khalil Mack is a difference maker, no doubt. He helps He helps that team, and he, he, he makes them better, but a colossal defeat. And just it's it's not good for the Bears. It's it's that's got a sting, and you're gonna be feeling that one for a long, long time. Okay, I'm not gonna get I'm not gonna get through every game pretty much. Um, oh, here's a, here's some good news. I think first time since 2004 that the Cleveland Browns did not lose their uh, Week One game, and they are officially zero and zero with one tie because that was the sloppiest game ever they tied with the Pittsburgh Steelers I actually I thought that they were going to win that game that was my sneaky pick if you remember I thought that they might win that game no Le'Veon Bell but James Conner was phenomenal the Browns had every opportunity to win that in regulation Tarad throws a pick right at the goal line tries a go route and underthrows it badly would have set them up for the win. Then in overtime, the Steelers have a chance to win. Missed field goal. Browns come right back down the field, have a chance to win. They get a field goal blocked by T.J. Watt, who is obviously J.J. Watt's brother, and he was, I believe, the defensive player of the week because his stat line was ridiculous. The other notable game was Tennessee and Miami, which took about two days to conclude. There was lightning delays and weather delays, and I thought they should have just postponed it to the following day and had a third game on Monday night. But they decided to finally come back out, and the Dolphins win 27-20. Marcus Mariota got injured in this game. I heard it was an elbow injury. I didn't see the play exactly. So they were without him, and they they had to rely on Blaine Gabbert, who is not gonna not gonna roll any heads anytime soon. And they yeah they fall twenty seven to twenty. Dolphins obviously coming to the Jets um, on Sunday one p.m. game. I mean I don't I don't envision the Dolphins beating my New York Jets. I think the Jets are after what I saw on Monday night. They better not lay an egg in their home opener. Two and a half point favorites. I'll get into those point spreads and my picks later um okay the other game I want to mention is New Orleans Tampa Bay wow I will admit right now that I could not have been more wrong okay um yeah I told everybody last week that the New Orleans Saints were the were my pick 
They were my survivor pool pick. I had them as a guaranteed lock to win in week one with a Tampa Bay team that is without Jameis Winston and had Ryan Fitzpatrick quarterbacking that team. As a Jets fan, I know what Fitzpatrick is all about, and he's not great. He's a serviceable backup. Well, let me tell you, all right, Fitzpatrick out outdid his counterpart, Drew Brees, if you could believe that. 21 of 28, 417 yards, and four touchdowns. Absolutely carved up the Saints defense, who I have in fantasy. They got me negative four points. And a lot of people like them as a defense, as a sneaky good defense this year. They let up 48 points to Fitzmagic and the freaking Tampa Bay Bucks. It was it, it was a field day out there. It was unbelievable. So I went ahead and made a waiver claim, picked up the Jets defense against Miami this week for fantasy purposes because I cannot confidently go into week two with the Saints. I know they're playing the Browns, but I just can't do it. I can't justify it. So that was the biggest shocker. And I I mean, I should have known because week one is always the hardest to pick these games. You never know what teams have, what teams are coming out flat. You just don't know. And overall, I did really good with my picks. I picked the Titans and the Saints. Otherwise, my other picks were pretty good. I think I got pretty much all of them. I bet on a bunch of games, won most of those. But let's see. The, the, um, I just want, I just lost my train of thought. I wanted to talk about something real quick. Um, shoot, I lost my train of thought. So, yeah, um, New Orleans got shelled in that game, and I'm very surprised. Very surprised at that. And now they're playing the Cleveland Browns, who didn't look terrible, mind you, which I didn't think they would. They're not going to be terrible. Okay, the other the other big one was the Buffalo game. Okay, uh, Baltimore scores 47 points on the Bills. I think the Bills right now are the worst team in football, hands down. It's not even close. I really do think the Bills are the worst team in football. And yes, I just regained my train of thought. I was trying to say I picked the Saints as the number one lock, and I should have known being that that's a week one divisional game that it it was going to be closer than it actually was and that the, the, the Bucks had a chance to win that. But the biggest lock of the week I should have known was going to be the Rams over the Raiders. There was no doubt in my mind that, that they were winning that game. I saw them at, at four-point favorites, and I... um. I was all over it. So I should have known. There was a couple games actually that I that I should have known were some easy easier locks than probably that one, but I think that had the biggest point spread, so that was pretty much even Vegas thought that one was going to be the most lopsided one. Um the other one would be yeah, Minnesota over San Francisco. I think the spread was 7. They win by 8, a little bit closer than it should have been Garoppolo uh threw a couple picks in that one to kind of kill kill things there. And then I did think that the Colts were going to win over the Bengals. But um, as Andrew Luck was making a comeback, I do think he was going to win that game. Jack Doyle fumbled. It was scooped and scored. So the final, uh, the final is 34-23. It looks worse than it actually was. Okay, uh, we can move on to the most anticipated matchup of the week, and that would be 
the Jag- Jacksonville Jaguars against the New York Giants. And why do, do I say that? Because Jalen Ramsey, who popped off all offseason, talking that smack about Eli, about Odell. Well, he got to match up against Odell. And you want to know what what he ha- what, what 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 transpired? Yeah, Odell Beckham, eleven receptions for hundred eleven yards. Now the Jaguars do win that game, twenty to fifteen. Saquon Barkley's debut, he has a nice sixty plus yard touchdown, but otherwise bottled up pretty well. Um, the Giants didn't look terrible, but you could you you could see they were going up against that vaunted D, that vaunted secondary. They have a lot of playmakers. I mean, a whole lot of playmakers. Let's be real. They were they were just a smidge this close to beating the Pats in the AFC Championship game a year ago. So early on in this one, Leonard Fournette uh, gets injured. He leaves the game. He came back, didn't last, and left again. I think they're calling it a hamstring injury. Nothing too crazy. But uh, yeah, like I said, uh, Odell... Went 15 targets, 11 catches, 111 yards, no touchdowns, and he didn't have that that big time uh, reception that went for a lot of yards. So I guess in that respect, and being that they won, you could say Jalen Ramsey comes out on top of that matchup. Um, again, he wasn't he wasn't in coverage on Odell on all of these receptions, so there is that to take into consideration. But in the end, when it was a close game and the Giants had a chance. Eli Manning turned into vintage Eli Manning. Manning had the pass deflected and picked off. Miles Jack. Jack will take it all the way for a Jaguars touchdown. So that was in a 13-9 game. So that really, really hurt the New York Giants. If they go down there and they kick a field goal, make it a one-point game, or even take the lead, it drastically changes the outcome of that game. And it drastically changes the rest of that fourth quarter and how it's played. But in any case, the Jaguars go up there 20 to 9, go up 11, and it becomes a two-score game. And it's really not what, not the type of situation the New York Giants want to be in. So that stout Jacksonville Jaguar D gets the job done, and they go, they take take one 20 to 15. And now they get to play the New England Patriots. Again, a matchup of last year's AFC championship game. So I'm looking forward to that one as well. A little bit about Jalen Ramsey, because there's not really much more I want to talk about, except, okay, I'll mention this. Let me, let me skirt for, for a quick second. I'll come back to Jalen Ramsey and the Jags in a second. Kansas City Chiefs. They look really, really good. They are not missing Alex Smith one bit. One iota. Patrick Mahomes looks amazing. And can I just point this out? I have Tyreek Hill on my fantasy team. The man is unstoppable. Had a punt return or a kickoff return touchdown. He had two other touchdowns for a total of three. Puts up 45 fantasy points. He's phenomenal. If he can stay healthy, he is going to be the number one receiver in fantasy points, in my opinion. This year, he's just, I mean, and the fact that I will get into this later, but I think it's ridiculous that they started the week as six-point underdogs to the Steelers. I know I know it's at Heinz Field, but wow, I'll talk about that in, in a little bit. But okay, back to, okay, then let me just quickly go over the, the scores because I'm not going to get into every game. You had 
Uh, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, like I said, they tied in overtime. The Bengals won. Miami uh, won that game. Minnesota won that game. New England and Houston. Okay, I I had mixed emotions about this because I have Deshaun Watson on my other fantasy team. He was not good. They started off really bad. They started to come into their own in the second half, and they end up losing 27-20. to They're a team that they had to get the kinks out, okay? Deshaun Watson missed a whole year with that ACL. He's now back. It's going to take them a little bit of time to get going. So we'll see what they how they look in the coming weeks. But New England, pretty much what we expected. Gronk was, was on fire. Brady was on fire. Hit like nine different receivers just ridiculous. And I mean, yeah, they have their vulnerabilities. This is probably their weakest roster that they've had in a very, very long time. So then you have, again, I said Tampa Bay uh, beats New Orleans in the shocker of the week. Baltimore just puts the smack down on Buffalo, who right now is the worst team in football. And I I really do believe that uh, McDermott needs to lose his job. Listen, I know he took that team to the playoffs last year, but what he did, what he's doing with Nathan Peterman, okay, now they named Josh Allen the starter finally because he pretty much had no choice. How do you keep starting Nathan Peterman? He never should have been started last year in favor of Tyrod Taylor. He throws five picks in one half, okay? Then you trade A.J. McCarron to the Raiders. Hello, A.J. McCarron's your only veteran quarterback. I know he's been a career backup and he never has shown anything, but he's your only vet. You have Nathan Peterman and a rookie project in Josh Allen. So they trade AJ McCarron, start Nathan Peterman, lose 47 to three. And now you're going to start, you're going to go back and start Josh Allen. Now this is just an epic, epic disaster in Buffalo. And he's on the hottest of hot seats right now. Okay, I know it's cold up in Buffalo, but he's on a hot seat. And if he doesn't turn things around, he's going to lose that locker room pretty quickly. And he's going to be out of a job even quicker. Okay, Kansas City beats the Chargers 38-28. Again, I think Kansas City looked really, really good. Seattle and Denver, a lot of what I expected. Seattle was, I believe, plus two and a half somewhere yeah plus two and a half I liked them in that game I really thought Seattle would win that game uh apparent uh, surprisingly Denver overcame Case Keenum's three interceptions and he threw the most precise dime touchdown pass of the week I mean this was probably a mistake throw and I don't know how the receiver didn't touch it but if you go back and watch that highlight um it was it was absolutely incredible the fact that he fit this touchdown pass into the tightest of tight windows and Demarius Thomas made an amazing catch in the end zone at the sideline to uh, to drag both of his feet and get the score Washington not too surprised there Alex Smith hasn't missed a beat that system with Jay Gruden fits him really well they put the shellacking on um, the Arizona Cardinals, 24-6. to Again, the Cardinals are right up there with the Buffalo Bills as the worst team in the NFL, but at least the Cardinals have Sam Bradford and uh, David Johnson. So, And Larry Fitzgerald, of course, who continues to be a the ageless wonder. Then you have Dallas and Carolina. Okay, Dallas, this was, a, this was interesting. They could not establish Ezekiel Elliott. They would not hand him the ball. I think he only had like 15 carries. 
They were in this game. They got the two-point conversion. They were down 16-0, made it an eight-point game, but they just couldn't sustain. And we're in the second year after Dak Prescott's rookie season, which was phenomenal. Last year, we gave him a pass, kind of. This year, he needs to turn it on. He needs to turn it up. Jason Garrett's another guy I think is on the hot seat. And if the Dallas Cowboys don't do much, then I think they're in trouble and they may, they're going to be looking for a new coach and we'll see what happens with the quarterback situation. But it's all on Dak right now because we know the issues with that O-line. And I, I warned people, don't draft Ezekiel Elliott in fantasy because that don't trust that O-line. And sure enough, they were a big problem against that Carolina defensive line. And now they, they have the Giants coming up on Sunday night. Okay, in Jerry World, two and a half point favorites against the Giants. It's an interesting game. Both teams are 0-1. Neither team wants to go down 0-2 to start their season. And then, of course, you had Chicago and Green Bay, and then the Rams and Oakland, which I already mentioned those scores. Okay, so I want to get back to the Jalen Ramsey thing because this guy, this guy... If, if nothing else, he's entertaining. I mean, just take a listen of what he had to say. I think this was yesterday or maybe the day before. Uh, this is just this is good stuff. I don't believe in having friends on the field. Like, I mean, my brother, my dad, my mom, grandma was out there. Like, it's, it's on. Like, after the game, we can be cool. It doesn't matter. That's how I feel like you got to respect the game of football. The fo- football is not a game meant to be played, being nice to each other and, and all that, like kumbaya. Um, but after the game's over with, that's cool. You wouldn't really hit your girl. No, I definitely would. She know that. <laughs> <laughs> My girl, I know that. I love you, but she know that. I don't. Yeah, um, pretty funny stuff there. But no, I, I actually agree with Jalen Ramsey. All his rants, all the ranting that he did in the offseason, called out every quarterback pretty much. I will say this, that, yeah, he's complete. Uh, from a competitive standpoint, you want to see that in an athlete. You want to see that fight and that drive, and you don't want to see see somebody get lose that focus. And, and and you don't want anybody that's soft. So let's put it this way. Like he said, he would hit his grandma if she was out on the field. Okay? In, what he's saying basically is that it doesn't matter if he's going up against his little cousin. Okay? He's not going to play soft and he's not going to let them win or let them get the better of him because that's not that's not in his nature and yeah that's why he's at the highest level possible and viewed as one of the best corners in the league because of that competitiveness and you cannot go soft that's like when when I you know you play a video game or you play pickup basketball or around the horn or whatever or or a board game with your with your your younger sibling or your father when he plays with you at a young age, you don't want him to let you win. Yeah, you might get upset and you might cry that you lost as a little kid because you don't understand the concept of fighting for something and not being handed something. So yeah, in that resp- in that in, in what he's saying there, I absolutely respect him for that and I agree 100% with what he's saying. It's like if I was playing my sister one-on-one in basketball, I'm not going to go easy on her. Okay, I'm not going to not play defense on her because she's a girl or because she's younger than me or not as good as me. No, I'm going to push her around. There might be some hard fouls. You know, she might she might eat some pavement once in a while, but that's only going to make her better. And that's why 
growing up with three older brothers that pushed my sister and it, it helped her get better because we were not, we did not go soft on her. We showed her what it means to be competitive and how you have to earn your keep and you have to fight for every, everything when it comes to either the court or the field or whatever. And in life in general, okay, you're not going to be, nobody's going to hand you that job after college. Okay. Nobody's going to hand you your degree or your high school diploma. Okay, no, you have to put in the effort and put in the hard work. You wouldn't want someone to do the work for you because it's not going to help you later on in life. And that's what Jalen Ramsey is saying. You can't be soft. If you're going up against your brother, your mother, your father, your even your grandmama, you don't want to go soft. You're going to lay it all on the line, lay it all out, keep it out on the field. Everything, when it's on the field, it's game face. That's it. Game face. I don't know you. Don't talk to me. Just play the game and give me what you got because I'm going to give you what I got. That's what he's saying. And then once you get off the field, it's okay. Decompress. We're cool. All right. We're 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 still family. We're all good. You might not like it that I just you know whooped your behind, but we're still family at the end of the day. And that's all he's saying. And I believe a lot of athletes feel that way, and they should. And there's nothing wrong with that. And if you have an issue with it, then you obviously don't know what it is to be an athlete. So that's what I have to say about that. And we're at the 39-minute mark. Okay, so I'm going to start in on some... uh, Let me see, actually. Give me a second. I'll try to find... I'll be right back as I go and find some other uh, sound bites because the uh, Patriots are playing host to Jacksonville this week. Again, that's a rematch of the... AFC Championship game last year. There were some good sound bites from Brady and Gronk in this one as well. So uh, I'll be right back once I find those and I'll play those for you. Give me a sec. Okay, so I was able to find it. This is the sound bite that I wanted to play. This is from Tom Brady's press conference. I'll play the one from Gronk after that. But this uh, this guy, you might not be able to hear him clearly in the background, but he's asking him um, about the Jalen Ramsey comments. So just take a listen to this one here. Here we go. Um, uh, Jalen Ramsey had a lot to say about various quarterbacks around the league. Uh, he said, you don't suck. How does it feel to, <laughs> to not suck? Um, to not suck? Yeah. I, I never want to suck, so I don't want to be in that category. Yeah, so pretty funny stuff there. Um, yeah, I don't know what you really want Tom Brady to say in that situation, but that just goes to show, again, that's how pretty much Jalen Ramsey is and how he rated his quarterbacks either they suck they were trash or they don't suck and in his case he said Brady doesn't suck and yeah Brady has a a funny response there I mean obviously he's right you who wants to suck so uh, I just wanted to play that thought that was pretty pretty funny because this I mean let's face it we can we could joke about this right now but this is going to be a very good matchup this is going to be probably one of the top two or three uh, best matchups in week two that we want to focus on. So we, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious to see how this one plays out. And I like to see how the press conferences are handled and how the players are feeling and if they're tense and, you know, and, and Brady shrugs, shrugs it off and, and plays it off and, and has a good laugh about it. Now, here we go. I'll play the one from uh, Rob Gronkowski, who obviously is a more animated character than Tom Brady and a little bit smarter than people give him credit for. So take a listen to this one. 
So this is as soon as Gronk gets to the podium, the very first question, and it's lighthearted. It's pretty funny. His whole his whole press conference is, is kind of comical, the questions they're asking him. They're basically trying to get him to trip up or or to say something that he probably shouldn't say, but take a listen right here. Any conversations with Jalen Ramsey this week? No, I don't have his number. He doesn't have mine. <laughs> so Jalen Ramsey basically said, if you don't know, in that GQ article, he said Rob Gronkowski doesn't do well when he goes up against corners, and he only is good because he goes up against, or when he goes up against linebackers. And, I mean, yes, statistically, that's correct, because he's faster than the linebackers, and they can't go, they can't cover him. And when the, the, uh, the corners cover him, yeah, they're faster, they're more athletic, they can they can move around more, and they can defend him a little bit better. So now this is when the fun starts to happen, and you're going to get all your Jalen Ramsey questions to Rob Gronkowski. So just listen here. What are your thoughts about him saying stuff about you? I mean, that's how he feels. That's how he feels. I mean, it's a big game this Sunday. We're playing them. I mean, I'm sure I'm going to have opportunities to go over him. I'm sure he's going to have opportunities to go versus me. So I'm just preparing like I always prepare. I got to just do my job out on the field and just worry about that. Does that motivate you, Grant? I mean, I mean, for sure. I mean, it, there's always motivation you're looking for. I mean, it does and it doesn't. You think it's like it's, so? It's, it's tricky right there. It doesn't, like doesn't give you the answer you're looking for. <laughs> That was a trick, trick question. You're trying to get me to say something, right? All right. But it doesn't, it doesn't. You know what I mean? I do. Yeah. Because, I mean, it motivates you. You're hearing that, uh, you know. Obviously, there, there's something out there that he saw on film and stuff that I could probably get better at football um, in, in some certain categories. I mean, you don't always feel the best every single day when you're out on the field. So that's how he feels. That's how he feels. You have to prepare against them, like baiting you into some, you know, war of words and 15-yard penalties and things like that, though? Uh, oh, definitely during the game yeah. on the field. I mean, uh, there can always be talking, going back and forth, uh, tempers getting heated up and everything. You just got to keep your cool. And, uh, I mean, I don't see any benefit uh, to get a 15-yard penalty out on the field because you lose your cool. And uh, so you just got to keep your cool and keep your head on straight. Is that part of it, though? You think it's more mind games? Maybe he's trying to mess with your head a little bit? I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not down there. I'm not in the Jacksonville squad. I, I mean, it could be. And uh, I've, I've seen that done before. I've had players on my, on my team before where they just get in people's heads and they react and then they get the 15-yard penalty. So uh, you just got to keep your head straight, uh, keep your cool, and uh, just play ball. One of the things he said is that when you face an elite corner, your catch percentage goes down from 71% to 56%. I mean, what do you, what do you think about that? Uh, that's some good percentages still. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a, I don't really go into statistics like that. And uh, I just got to play ball. That's basically all. I gotta come out and play ball. You like it when someone starts starts it up a little bit. You you, you kind of get into it. All right, that's enough. That's gone on a little bit too long. I was trying to find the bit. Um, it was it had to do with that last part where he says 
where he says, oh, your catch percentage goes down against elite corners. There's a part where he ends up where Gronk says, I like going against defensive ends. So, you know, you could see the playful banter back and forth with the reporters. He wasn't given into any of their questions. He was just brushing them off with silly, stupid comments, but still fun nonetheless. And I look for for this one to be a a big one. So uh, as I see. okay, so I just got some breaking news, a little bit of breaking news from last night's Thursday night football game, and that's a good time to transition into that Thursday night game. So week two of the NFL, and Joe Mixon, the Bengals running back, apparently he has a small particle in his knee that was dislodged last night Ooh, and is scheduled to be removed with a procedure on Friday. And the procedure is expected to sideline Joe Mixon for two weeks. So if you're playing fantasy football, you might want to run out there on your waiver wires or free agency and pick up probably Giovanni Bernard for the next couple weeks because we'll see how long this actually sidelines Mixon. Okay, last night's Thursday night game, I did not get off to a good start. I picked the Ravens, and I had a huge argument with my buddy because he's trying to tell me, oh, uh, you, I told you to pick the Bengals. I told you to pick the Bengals. Listen, listen right here. I get it was at Paul Brown Stadium, and the Ravens started off at plus one the, at, at, the, at the start of the game. That was earlier in the week. At the start of game time, they were, had moved to minus one. So I wasn't the only one betting on, on the Ravens. I get it. Paul Brown Stadium in Cincy. Uh, Joe Flacco is 3-6 and six there. But keep in mind that Andy Dalton is only was only about 5-10 and 10 or 5-11 and 11 in primetime games. He's not anything great himself. And despite all that, the Buffalo Bills game put me over the edge with the Ravens. They looked great. And I should have known it was against the... the, the uh, Bills, who I believe are the worst team in football right now, and the Bengals, they I didn't think they were great against the Colts, but here's here was my logic. I am not gonna bet on a team or or, or pick a team to win that has a head coach that has been with this same team for 16 years, the second longest tenured coach in the NFL behind Bill Belichick in his 19 years. Okay, and he has won a combined zero playoff games okay i mean come on do you, who 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 else would feel confident picking the bangles i mean really so this to me what was a trap game logic did say the bangles because they were at home one point uh underdogs at home yeah that's a good that's some good odds but the ravens i mean joe flacco was freaking awful in this game i mean awful it took 17 minutes by the way for aj green to have his first career three touchdown game, 17 minutes. The Bengals were up 21 to nothing. The Ravens came back as I expected them to do, and they had multiple, multiple opportunities, cut it to an eight-point game. They went for it on fourth down, fourth and short a couple times, and Joe Flacco just I mean, he threw the ball into the ground on a fourth and two play when his receiver was open. Uh, then there's another play where the man is like 6'5", okay? And he got the ball batted down at the line of scrimmage. That should not happen. 
I think it was... I, I do have to say this. I don't agree with the fact that the Ravens keep bringing Lamar Jackson in on these packages. And then uh, Joe Flacco's lining up on the outside at receiver. Like, who are you fooling? Lamar Jackson didn't throw the ball one time when he came in on those plays. And they lost a hefty sum of yards um, on, on one or two of those plays because the defense just knew it was a run play. So... Uh, yeah, they, it was just it was a typical sloppy Thursday night game, although it turned into a bit of a better game in the second half and the fourth quarter got interesting when they were down eight. And then Joe Flacco scrambles and scrambles and scrambles. And then he tries to heave a ball deep and he gets hit from behind and fumbles. He thought he had all day. He scrambles out of the pocket. And then as he's cranking it up to throw a ball over the middle, he gets strip sacked and they that's how they lose the game essentially. So yeah, what a doozy of another Thursday night game. And I benched my kicker in Justin Tucker again in favor of Greg the Leg Zerline because I just knew. I knew Tucker wasn't gonna have a great game. I thought there was potential for him to just kick field goal after field goal after field goal and this be like a fifteen to twelve game. But I was willing to take that bet and I think it's gonna pay off because Tucker only managed seven points. So I'm looking like I'm in good shape there. The Bengals, they moved to 2-0, and they're on top of that uh, AFC North while the Ravens dropped to 1-1. They're in second place as of right now because the other two teams tied in week one. Okay, we're going to get to this right now. Week two picks. I'm going to get through this real quickly. New York Jets at home against Miami, two-and-a-half-point favorites, okay? I'm taking the Jets. Two and a half points. I believe the Jets are two two and a half points better than the Dolphins. I would be hugely disappointed and surprised if the Jets come out and lay an egg and they lose to the Dolphins. Uh, as a Jets fan, I've seen them play the Dolphins numerous times. In recent years, the Jets have gotten the better of the Dolphins, especially last year. The Dolphins looked really bad against the Jets, even though they split. And, and that was because of um, a Josh McCown interception at the end of the game that never should have happened that set up a Miami win. But that first meeting, the Jets blanked the Dolphins until the final play of the fourth quarter. So I, and I, Miami, they're coming off that really, really long game against Tennessee. I do get that the, that the Jets have one less day to prepare because they played on Monday and then the quick turnaround against the Browns on Thursday night football. But here, uh, just... Let me say this. If it was any other team than the Browns that the Jets were had to play on Thursday night following this game, I think they might this might be a trap game where I you you could argue that they're looking ahead to that Browns game. But because it's not a team like the Patriots or, you know, the Chiefs or somebody like the Houston Texans, I don't think that they have to look ahead to that game because I don't think that they're sweating the Browns right now. So that doesn't mean that they can't lose to the Browns because they're like overlooking them. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that they're kind of putting them on the back burner because they know that it's the Browns. And, you know, worst case, if they don't play their best football, they might still come out with a win. So this, to me, is a huge game for the Jets. They have to come out and prove that Monday night was not a fluke. They need to start the year 2-0 and and possibly get to 3-0. and So this is a big one. I like the Jets over the Dolphins. Next up, we have Carolina and Atlanta. This one's at seven right now, but on DraftKings, I saw it at 
it had dropped to five and a half. If it's gone back up to seven, that is wild. Um, because I saw it at f- six. The highest was I saw it at six. No matter what it is, I cannot believe that the Falcons are getting that many points at home. They did not look great on Thursday night to open the year, and Carolina is 1-0. and They beat the Cowboys pretty handily, and they're a decent team. And this is one of those divisional uh, games that I believe is going to be very close, and it's going to be a one-score game. And I really do believe that even if Atlanta wins this game, that, Carol, like I said, Carolina will not lose by more than a touchdown. Um, and I actually, I'm not ready to say that Atlanta's going to win this game. I do like Carolina and their ability to hold on to the uh, possession, their time of possession, because Cam Newton's ability to run the ball and Christian McCaffrey's durability and his his just versatility is unquestioned. That's going to be a huge factor. And really, it comes down what it comes down to for Atlanta is their ability to put the ball in the end zone. We know how good they are from the twenty to the twenty, but can they manage to put sixes on the board and not have to settle for field goals inside the red zone like in Week One? And that's been the big problem with Sarkeesian: his inability to get the ball to his playmaker Julio Jones in the red zone. All right, we move on to the Chargers at Bills. Chargers, eight and a half point favorites. Listen, Josh Allen's making his first career start. There's no chance I would take the Bills in this. I don't care that they're at home. Give me the Chargers, eight and a half all day. That's an easy bet. Next up, Minnesota and Green Bay. This is an interesting one. Okay, we have Devontae Adams has a shoulder injury, but I think he says he feels great. He should be fine. We don't know the extent of Aaron Rodgers' injury right now. We don't know. He's probably going to play, although some people are saying take the L, rest him, sit him. They're probably not going to win anyway. He's going to play, in my opinion. I know Aaron Rodgers. He's a gamer. He will suit it up and get out there. Give me Minnesota, though, because he's still banged up. If it was a healthy Aaron Rodgers, I would probably still take Minnesota in this one. So, yeah, it's even right now. I would bet Minnesota just because... Aaron Rodgers is banged up, and I feel more confident about that because he's banged up. Otherwise, it's probably a game you want to stay away from. Okay, Tennessee and Houston. This is Houston at uh, two and a half point favorites. I believe the game is in Tennessee. We don't know exactly. Yeah, this is in Tennessee. We don't know. Uh, They did split their two matchups last season, but that doesn't really mean anything because there was no Deshaun Watson last season. But we don't know the extent, I don't, at least I don't know the extent of Marcus Mariota's um, injury. So if you do want to bet on that game, just keep an eye out and uh, for Mariota and if he's playing. As of right now, I would take Houston minus two and a half, but probably I would stay away from that game because these two teams didn't look too good in week one, even though we still we believe that they are playoff contenders. They just didn't look very good. Okay, next up we have New Orleans. Here we go. New Orleans at home against Cleveland. Again, they're 10.5-point favorites against the Cleveland Browns. And I'm sorry, I lost all faith in them in Week 1, and I am not taking them. I think they'll win the game, but I'm not taking them by 10.5. No way. I'll take the Browns at plus 10.5. The odds are going to be way better on that. Okay, Kansas City at Pittsburgh. This is the other one. I mentioned it earlier. I love 
me some Kansas City in this one at plus five and a half. I already, I believe, dropped some money on this game because I started to get worried that the line is moving down way too much in favor of Kansas City, even though I think they'll win this game. I, I like the, the, the five and a half point, point, uh, points there because if they lose, I don't believe that it'll be by, by more than a touchdown. So I think the odds there are pretty good. And again, Pittsburgh, it was a rainy, messy game against Cleveland. But let's face it. I mean, Big Ben looked horrific. Antonio Brown had the one touchdown, but didn't do too much. I mean, he turned the ball over a ton. They still, we don't think, are going to have Le'Veon Bell. And yes, it's at home. That's why they're getting the points. Kansas, uh, that's why Pittsburgh is the favorite in this one. But I still, I think... I think that's ridiculous. I really believe Kansas City is the better football team right now. Okay, moving right along. We have, yes, Tampa Bay at home against Philly. Tampa Bay looked unbelievable. They look like a better football team with Ryan Fitzpatrick at the helm quarterbacking this team than Jameis Winston. I hate to say it, but they're they're facing the defending Super Bowl champs. Both of these teams are 1-0. Philly at minus 3.5. I think this one's going to be sloppy. But just give me the better team overall and the experience. And I, there's no way Ryan Fitzpatrick could do what he did again and replicate that performance. So I think he regresses back into what we all have come to know Ryan Fitzpatrick as. And that's a backup quarterback, decent in a spot start, but not somebody that's going to knock your socks off. So I'll take Philly at three minus three and a half. Next up, Washington at home against the Colts. Okay, Washington is six point favorites here. And although I do think that they will probably win this game, the Colts were not that bad against the Bengals in week one, and they had a chance to win, if not for a fumble late in the fourth quarter. So believe it or not, I will take, I am going to take the Colts at, at plus six. But if it was me, I probably won't bet on this game. Okay, next up, we have the Rams at home, 14-point favorites against the Cardinals. Listen, the Arizona Cardinals are, to me, the second worst team in football, okay? That's what I believe. They're the second worst team behind the Bills. And the Rams are 14-point favorites. I think Sean McVay is a genius of an offensive mind. I think the Rams smoke the Cardinals, okay? If there were any reservations in that Monday night game against Oakland in that first half, they got all the kinks worked out. Everything straightened out in that second half. They're still... A really, really good offensive football team. They could put up points with the best of them. So give me the LA Rams, excuse me, at 14. Next up, you have Detroit at San Francisco. Now, listen, San Francisco's seven point favorite. They lost week one. This is still the 49ers, okay? Detroit looked horrific against my New York Jets. Matt Stafford ain't throwing four interceptions again. Give me Detroit at plus seven. This is a statement game. They need to show the world that they're not as bad as what they put out there on Monday Night Football. And if they get shellacked by more than a touchdown, then oh boy, oh boy, their season's over. I mean, it's going to be point blank. That's it, period, over, in my opinion. Okay, next up, we have the Raiders going on the road to Denver. Denver's a seven-point favorite. Again, I don't think Denver's that great. They're not a really great offensive team. We saw Case Keenum throw three interceptions. I just don't like them that much. To, 
they get way too much credit at home. I get the altitude and all that, but this is a big divisional game. This is John Gruden's second start. He doesn't want to go down 0-2. Derek Carr looked bad. He's going to have a bounce back, in my opinion. I think the Raiders at plus 7 is very good. I'm not saying the win, but I'm leaning towards like 60-40 that I think the Raiders are going to win this game. But again, those divisional uh, matchups are very difficult in in that AFC West to predict. Okay, this is the big one. New England-Jacksonville. I'm still not ready to to jump away from the Patriots, and I've learned my lesson over the years never to bet against the Patriots. I said it in the Super Bowl two years ago when they were down big to the Atlanta Falcons. I said, listen, this game ain't over. It's Tom Brady. It's Bill Belichick. It's the New England Patriots. Never bet against them, never count them out. So I will continue to never bet against the Patriots unless the Jets are playing them, of course. So yeah, give me New England. This line is even right now um, and it's in Jacksonville. So yeah, I'm still taking, I'm still taking New England. Now the Sunday night matchup, this is a big one. Dallas at home against the New York Giants. Dallas at minus three. I saw it at two and a half on DraftKings. Listen, this is one of those typical games that the Giants go in to Jerry World and they win that game. So I can't believe I'm saying it, but I might I might bet on this game on Sunday night and I think I'm going to take the Giants. I really think that they are going to win this game. I think Dallas has a lot of issues beyond personnel. I, I, think, I, I think there's a lot going on there. So I don't like Dallas right now. And I'm going to take the Giants. Both teams are 0-1. It's a desperation game. They really need to win this. And then, okay, we have the Monday night game. Chicago at home against Seattle. Listen, I'm a ride or die with my man, Russell Wilson. He's my fantasy quarterback, second year in a row. I understand they lost week one by three to Denver. He needs some better O-line help. And he really needs some receiver help. He's going to be without Doug Baldwin again, I think. Brandon Marshall, nice addition, caught a touchdown pass in week one. He's got Tyler Lockett, who he threw the deep touchdown to as well, and this new tight end, Will Disley, who's supposed to be a blocking tight end, but he had a pretty monster game as well. So I I don't understand this one. Chicago is at minus three. I think this line was a lot more, actually, earlier in the week. Um, So people are maybe starting to understand that it's still Russell Wilson and you just saw what Chicago did and their epic collapse. So I don't think that a team could bounce back from something like that in a matter of of days. I think it's going to take time for Chicago. So yeah, I I like Seattle as the underdog at plus three in this one. Now, there's one thing I wanted to get to and that would be back to this Buffalo this, the Buffalo Bills. I think they're a dumpster fire of an organization right now. I think they're doing everything wrong. And to prove that, I have a sound bite that I'm going to end this episode on, and that is a little press conference from Sean McDermott. So take a listen to this. A need, honestly, to elaborate. That's, you know, we, we talk a lot in house about decisions and things and what we've got to do and, and the right move at the right time. And, and right now, Sal, this, with all respect to your question, this is the right move for us. How much sooner are you doing this than you would have wanted to in a perfect world? Uh, it's the right move. That's what we got. It's the right move for us uh, and where we are. It's the right move. How That's important what we're doing. is this move? I'm not going to get into how permanent it is, guys. And again, 
you got to understand where I'm coming from. It's the right move for our football team. And I'm not going any further than that. It's the right move for our team. I've got confidence in Josh. Um, I have confidence in this football team. And it's the right move for our team. Listen, that's not all of it. But he says the words right move 14 different times in this in about a two-minute span. It, it's ridiculous. What is uh, this guy? Uh, I, I can't with this. This this is I, I just can't with, with McDermott anymore. I'm done. He made the playoffs. You can't just keep giving him a pass for making the playoffs last year. I mean, they backed into the playoffs because Andy Dalton scored a touchdown on a fourth down play on the last play of the season to walk it off and, and basically help push the Bills into the playoffs. So come on, man. I mean, it's it's I I don't even I I mean I can't even express enough. He says he doesn't even regret initially starting Nathan Peterman. You got you got destroyed 47 to 3. How could you not regret it? You saw what Nathan Peterman was last year. He threw five interceptions in the first half of a game and then you looked like an absolute buffoon because you had to go then go back to Tarod Taylor to save your season in the playoffs. I mean, I'm done with this guy. I know he's only a second-year head coach, and he's going to get a lot more leeway, and he better pray and he better hope that Josh Allen is the right fit for this organization because a lot of people feel that he is still raw and he is still a huge work in progress because of his accuracy issues. You all know how I feel about Josh Allen. I love him, but in an organization like this, this could destroy his NFL career. Uh, when you get starting for a for a football team that is just a dumpster fire and doesn't have the right personnel and the coaching staff is just all over the place, it can ruin a player's development. And that's what I'm afraid is going to happen with Josh Allen. And I just think McDermott is in over his head. I don't think he knows what he's doing as a head coach. And I think that there's a lot to be to be said there. Hey, I'm not going to complain too much because the Bills play in the AFC East, so hopefully that's two easy wins for my New York Jets. But again, we'll have to wait and see what happens. And we're going to end this here. Um, it's at hour and ten, eight minutes right now, so I want to wrap things up. Hour and eight minutes and roughly 30 seconds. So I'm your host, Anthony. Again, you've been listening to This Week in Sports. Have a nice weekend. Enjoy. And all those out there, Hurricane Florence, stay safe, stay warm, don't do anything crazy, seek shelter, and hopefully you can survive these these trying times, and uh, hopefully, you know, you're, you're, you're okay and you make it out alive and everything's well. But with that being said, I hope you guys can enjoy your weekend. I am now signing off. Take care, everybody. I will see you back here in one week next Friday. See ya.